welcome to UIDP Conversations, where we have candid discussions about partnership and collaboration across academia, industry, and government. I'm Sandy Ma with UIDP, and today I'm joined by Michael Oakes, Interim Vice President for Research at the University of Minnesota. Welcome, Michael. Sandy, happy to be here. So please tell me just a little bit about you and about what makes it exciting for you to come to work every day. Thanks so much. Well, um, I'm a you know university administrator now, grew up in Massachusetts, now live in beautiful Minnesota, have for over 20 years. Uh, I was a professor of epidemiology here at the university throughout my career. Now everyone, including my mom, knows what an epidemiologist does. So I guess that's good. Um, look, I love coming to work and I love coming to work in the senior research officer role. Um, it's an exciting university. It's a very exciting time. What we're really trying to do in the research enterprise is to, you know, marshal our discovery, marshal our talent pool, all to not only contribute to knowledge in a traditional academic sense, and that's our bread and butter, that should never change, but to, as desired and wished, to leverage that technology, leverage that knowledge, leverage that innovation and entrepreneurial spirit into having impact and say, the Department of Health in this very difficult time uh, where we can bring some analytic skills and things like this. Obviously in medicine with our biotechnology and you know infectious disease people, but also broader, our College of Science and Engineering faculty driving in these innovation spaces. So working with this amazing faculty, the entire research enterprise staff, folks in my office, um, that's what really gets me excited. And if I could put it in a couple of words, I'm deeply interested in helping a modern American, which I think is special, a modern American research university um, evolve from its great history into a more problem solving institution. Um, I like to talk about a problem-solving institution, whether that's a you know basic problem in particle physics, to a problem in say how we feed the world more efficiently, more sustainably, and so forth. So that notion of problem-solving is what really fires me up. Well, that's an interesting way to to look at things, and it also is really what you've been doing over the past couple of years um, with the COVID nineteen pandemic and other research capabilities. You have expanded tremendously. Um, the University of Minnesota recently um, celebrated a big milestone, surpassing a billion dollars in external research funding in twenty twenty one. Can you tell me about the strategy that drove that increase and what happened behind the scenes to make that happen? Yeah, thanks. We're really proud of our growth. Um, and yeah, we surpassed the billion dollar club, which is fun to do. Um, and the strategy has been one of multiple parts, ultimately supporting our entrepreneurial faculty, their creativity uh, for seeking external funds from the National Science Foundation, from the National Institutes of Health, USDA and so forth, as well as commercial bodies. Um, whether large corporations or other places, and we're trying to grow in addition in the national defense area. So there's two parts. One is to free our faculty to do what they do best, which is to say, have resources and others available 
to handle what is now the regulatory apparatus, this big octopus um, that we all face in modern times, and often for very good reasons, let's be honest, but we'd rather have the faculty doing what they do best, the researchers who are at the tip of the spear, not worrying about um, you know, writing up uh, administrative plans. We wanna have the sort of administrative side of the house be efficient and be effective. So in my job as a senior research officer here, the VP of research, I have two areas. One is to grow and advance the research portfolio. This is helping the faculty do what they do best. The other half is sort of the administrative side of the house. And that is a rather almost straightforward administrative executive job where we want to have all the support teams working for the customer which in this case is the faculty researcher, her or himself. So we've worked really hard at that over years and um, it continues to pay dividends. In addition, we've been able to grow um, in all sectors. I, you know, if we're investment people, we want a nice diversified portfolio. And we've been fortunate here at Minnesota to do that. Um, one of the areas we're most excited about is work with our corporate partners. Here in Minnesota, we are in a ecosystem of large corporations and we want to be better partners with them. So part of that is how to do that. And anyone who's been around a big university knows if you wanna engage with the university, who do you call? Like there's no one number. So uh, one of the things we've done is to create a new corporate engagement center which is sort of the node, the information node, and almost a concierge for corporate partners who want to work with us. And really all that center does, well, it's key, is to pass the information along and make sure we're not dropping the ball, which can so often happen if you call you know, one department or one professor herself and she may get busy or not be interested. And that really can create a bad impression for those outside the university. So we're trying to coordinate. And um, we've done some other innovative things in this space, such as having a really clear, uh, almost menu-based intellectual property model that we call Min IP. And I can talk more about that if you want, but these are the strategies we've been using to sort of grow the portfolio. And you know, we're just, just grateful for the success. I would like for you to talk about that just a little bit more because a lot of times IP is the major barrier that um, that external partners see in doing work with industry. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So our team here, our sponsored project and our tech commercialization team, if I can give a shout out to the leader there, Rick Hipsch, who I get to work with, um, they have appreciated the challenge from outside of the institution to connect, partner with, and to develop and grow, if not license, intellectual property. And all too often, historically, this is done in a one-off negotiation um, process, which means we're often repeating the wheel, which means there's very little certainty for, let's say, the corporate partner of what they can be purchasing. And all that creates slowness and creates challenges. So what we've tried to do is to have a almost menu-based opportunity where a corporation can say, all right, I want to buy in exclusive rights early and here's the fee, 
or I'm happy to wait a little longer and not have exclusivity and pay less. And so they are able to decide how much investment for what IP they want itself from a menu that it's rather established. Now we can go off the menu for specific cases, but this menu min IP approach gives regularity um, to anyone who wants to work with us, including by the way, the researchers themselves. Uh, so it's really a win-win. We're very proud of it. And we think it's the way to go in the future. Yeah, it gives you a starting off point for the discussions. And that I know a lot no of doubt. people like to know what the, they, they want to know how to set the stage and they want to know how to get started. So tech transfer, that does play a, a big role in your industry engagement program. Are there other aspects to it besides um, IP and, and that contracting aspect that you want to point out? Yeah, um, you know, one of the things I think about all the time is we can have uh, place-based, we can talk about more if this wish, sort of innovation corridor or innovation district places. We can have all of these initiatives funded or seeded by my office and others. We can have corporate partners and startups interested in what we wanna do, all fine. All of that, in my opinion, will fail or at least not be optimal. If the faculty aren't ready, if the incentives aren't aligned, if we don't have an entrepreneurial spirit, so one thing we've done in my office is to try to help that with a specific team. We call it the Strategic Partnerships and Research Collaborative or SPARC. And I think this is the secret sauce. I pay for SPARC and all the great folks there to work with faculty, to be a bridge, to talk about opportunities, to do these things that we call collisions, which is the, you know, hopefully the best frame of the word, we bring, bring people together and just say, just talk, just get to know each other, build familiarity. And so the Spark team is the secret sauce in our recipe in order to create a culture of entrepreneurship where we have alignment of incentives. So a young professor in engineering or maybe um, biotech knows what the paths are and can see what others are doing in this space and that the path to her academic success is clear, as well as the path for entrepreneurial success. And the Spark team coordinates that. The other thing that Spark does that's been really um, key to our success is uh, help seek out and coordinate very large grants um, from the federal government. So, you know, uh, you know, we can get five and you know, $5 million grants and things like that, which is awesome. But when we're talking the $100 million grant opportunity, it takes a very special uh, and thick-skinned person to coordinate all that. Um, and so this is an opportunity that the Spark team has been great at. They're doing all the back office stuff, again, to let the researchers do what they do best and not have to be a master of everything. Uh, all the support and apparatus that one would need for such a coordinated uh, initiative gets done by people who are experts at it. And, and that's what the Spark team can do. So uh, that's really exciting. And um, I think between the techcom, our techcom groups, um, MinIP, my emphasis and theirs on growing a startup ecosystem and all that that implies. And then the Spark team, I like to call it secret sauce, 
Um, we're really um, trying, uh, you know, always to be determined to alter not only the strategy of what we're doing here at Minnesota, but the culture. And uh, that's exciting to me. Well, that is quite a framework. I mean, that's something that, that you've definitely, you're putting down a foundational layer there to make sure that what you build um, has that strength and, and can scale. So how are you leveraging the university's position and all of this foundational work you're doing? Um, the research assets, your faculty, your, your staffing that's working at the top of their capabilities. How are you positioning that for economic development in the region? Thanks so much. Well, first, um, I am in a very fortunate position that my boss, President Joan Gable, is deeply engaged and interested in driving us in this space. So obviously, um, one might have to manage up. I don't have to do that. So um, she's a leader in this space, and that's very exciting. So we're trying to grow a ecosystem of what I like to call innovation impact. It's not just innovation but it's innovation with an actual palpable outcome and impact. Now, sometimes again, that impact can be in a prestigious journal of nuclear physics, awesome. But it's also impact in this context of impact with our corporate and startup partners. We're able to work with state level um, government officials, a group we call Minnesota DEED, uh, Minnesota Department of Employment and Economic Development. And so we partner with them um, we have some private philanthropic um, partners, uh, part of the uh, general ecosystem. Obviously, major corporations, and I get the privilege of working with their VPs of R&D and related things. And we're trying to work all this together, not only as a general regional framework, uh, leveraging our strengths in the state and at the University of Minnesota, which in the simplest terms, we'd say um, uh, health technology, as well as agricultural technology. Um, and so um, these are two areas that we're always thinking about. And then when we sort of bring these two together, we have this modern area of biotechnology or biomanufacturing. And what's exciting is it's not only the science itself on the benchtop, but the big questions of scaling get it outside the lab and into the commercial sector. So we're doing all this in order to leverage these various assets and strengths and historical interests um, to drive success in this area. One of the you know, more tangible things we're trying to do is to leverage the physical location of the university here on the Minneapolis and St. Paul campus into uh, what is often called innovation districts. Here we call it the innovation corridor, where um, I love the term someone else used, a mashup of corporate startup philanthropic educational partners. In some sense, throw them in a big room. Uh, obviously they have their own space, but metaphorically in the same room where they can talk, they can have lunch, they can really learn from each other. And it's an area that we haven't been strong at at the University of Minnesota but now we're going gangbusters to develop that. So it's those kinds of leveraging assets, Sandy, that um, I think uh, gives us a competitive advantage going forward. That's terrific. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I think that one of the important points I wanna add in these kinds of conversations is the relationship between a more conventional large research university 
and a more modern um, entrepreneurial one. I know that there are some people who worry that commercialization will undermine the basic science and educational mission of a great university. That's always been true. I actually don't think that's borne out empirically. I think if we're doing it right, our educational mission creates talent pools for corporate national security and uh, health and prosperity partners. And in addition, just in terms of basic science questions, when we as a system are engaging with our, let's just say industrial science partners, not only are we um, doing interesting work, but the interesting work is sometimes more applied than some researchers in an academic setting will do. My history, my read of the history of science and my goal is that these relationships create a virtuous cycle where more applied research raises more fundamental or basic scientific questions that can be brought back to the university, the lab, and then around and around we go where everyone's winning. And so I just wanna say that I think that's the model I appreciate more and that I and my partners here are trying to cultivate where the university is doing what it does best, partnering more than ever before. And our corporate partners are helping us find again through these very applied questions, more fundamental questions to bring back and on and on we go. That's really a point I like to emphasize. Faculty often want to be entrepreneurial and innovative, but a lot of promotion and tenure uh, structures don't really reward that in the same way. Is the University of Minnesota doing anything creative to try and incorporate innovation and entrepreneurship into its promotion and tenure program? Yeah. Um, so that alignment between subtle and clear uh, written down uh, incentives for junior faculty as they go through the ranks has always been a problem where an entrepreneurial faculty might want to work with, I don't know, a major corporation, but she or he feels almost compelled to go to the National Science Foundation and write another research paper. So we're trying to balance that. I think the right word there is balance. So it's that things such as patents and disclosures for patents count in some calculus for senior committees to appreciate that this is a contribution to the field, even if it's not the pure academic field. So those things of patents and other engagement activities, whether it's the Department of Health, whether it's a large corporation, also count towards someone's record as they go up for promotion and tenure. More needs to be done, but we continue to drive. And so my relationship with the chief academic officer of the university, the provost, is vital and we try to stay close on those things. Thank you to Michael Oakes, Interim Vice President for Research at the University of Minnesota for joining us today for UIDP Conversations. UIDP supports professionals at top-tier innovation companies and world-class universities build better partnerships. Learn more at uidp.org.